And now, for your feature presentation. One, or two, or three, or four, but five, force five. Hi, and welcome to the Force 5 Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Kleberg, and if this is your first time listening to the show, the premise of Force 5 is that I force a guest to come up with a movie-themed top five list, and then we talk about our picks on air. This is super cool. Today, I've got our first chef on the show, Chef Nick Peters Bond. If you're a Hell's Kitchen viewer like me, Chef Nick was a Black Jacket recipient on Season 14, and he also earned a Black Jacket on the All-Stars Season 17. In addition to being a wizard in the kitchen, he was also one of the most fun contestants to watch on the show and one of those personalities that you just kind of want to hang out with. And we're lucky enough to do that tonight. In the kitchen, Nick has to worry about food expiring. But tonight, we're going to be talking about people expiring because the topic Nick chose is top five horror movie deaths from Hell's Kitchen straight to hell. Before we get into all that blood and gore, let's talk about what I've been watching lately. I'm going to kick this section off with the best thing I saw this week, a film that had a profound impact on me, and that's Derek Delgadio's In and of Itself. This is available right now on Hulu. Shout out to loyal listener and BFF Moose for recommending this to me. It's a recording of a one-man show that's been running for a little while in New York City, and it's a little hard to describe without giving things away, and I think it's best to go in with as little knowledge as possible about what it is. So I will be very brief, um, and I do think that everybody should watch this as soon as possible. It's fantastic. Hulu's description says, It's about a man fighting to see through the illusion of his own identity, only to discover that identity itself is an illusion. It's partly a magic show and partly like an illusion show, but it's really focused on storytelling, and wow, did this affect me. 20 minutes in, Mr. Delgadio is doing card tricks on stage, and by the time the credits rolled, I was like crying my eyes out and thinking about the way that I'm raising my son. At the beginning of the performance, there's a splash screen that comes up, and it asks that you put your phone and distractions away, and I really think that's important here. Watch it with a loved one and just listen. I was blown away by this and cannot recommend it harder, so please give it a shot. Again, that's Derek Delgadio's In and of Itself. You can find this on Hulu right now. My wife and I also took our kid to his very first movie theater experience this week to see Shrek Forever After. And I don't want to talk about the movie. It's whatever. It's a Shrek movie, so you kind of know what you're getting. But I want to talk about the experience because being able to rent out a whole theater for 99 bucks is really cool. I've done it twice now. Uh, The first time I did it with Cinemark, and that was for my wife and I. And now we did it with AMC, and although I'm sure it's not cost-effective from their standpoint, and I'm guessing that it won't last much longer, this was a great experience. My kid did great. He loved his gigantic bucket of popcorn, and when he walked in, of course, it was a little loud for him at first, but once he got used to it, he was really good, sat through the whole movie. The older movies that AMC offered, it cost a hundred bucks. They have a preset list of all these films you can choose from, and although it was just the three of us this time, you can bring up to 20 people, uh, and the process couldn't have been easier. So, yeah, if you're in the mood for a movie but you don't feel like going back to a packed theater yet, rent out a theater for 100 bucks. Like I said, it's probably going to go away any day now. So if you want to get in, go to their website, check it out. Cinemark does it, AMC does it, your local theaters might do it, but wow, this is a really fun experience. 
Finally, the last thing I want to talk about today is Zack Snyder's new film on Netflix right now, Army of the Dead. You ready to play? There's $200 million in the vault beneath the strip. With a 32-hour window to get it out. Find the safe. This should be a simple in and out. It's not too late to go back. After a zombie outbreak is contained in Las Vegas, Nevada, a group of soldiers and one of their dumb daughters breaks into the quarantine zone with the goal of cracking open a casino vault and withdrawing $200 million. Okay, bottom line for this review, Army of the Dead is at times entertaining, but is also incredibly predictable, entirely stupid, and way too long. Let's start with the good. I like the premise. It's using the zombie formula in a new way, and it's got some neat varieties to the undead, including these alpha zombies who move like they popped right out of a 1991 Sega Genesis commercial and apparently have sex with each other. The setting looked really great. Seeing this block of Las Vegas just decimated and populated by zombies, I loved that part. I thought it looked great. Scenes inside the casinos are really cool, and the amount of gore was really great, even though a lot of it was unconvincing CGI. Heads splatter, limbs get ripped off, and nobody is safe. Speaking of feeling safe, if you're a Zack Snyder fan, all of your favorite Zack Snyder tropes are on full display here, including, but not limited to, slow motion scenes that don't need to be in slow motion, blurry camera work, light background with characters cloaked in shadows, and distorted dreamlike lenses all make their way into the movie. And in true Snyder fashion, the film is way too long. There's an easy way to cut 20 minutes out of this film, and that's by cutting out the Getting the Heist Team Together montage. Now, I love a good getting the team together montage, and like any fun heist movie, you've got to have this compiling the squad, but in this case, everybody they approach is just like, yeah, sure, I'll do it, that's fine. There's no resistance from anyone, and apparently they all live in or around Las Vegas, so just make them all a team from the get-go that's frustrated and looking for work. Bam, 20 minutes saved. Hollywood consider myself on the talent bench. Hit me up for those uncredited rewrites. I got ya. Speaking of rewrites, the team of mercenaries comes across as so dumb that you'll often wonder who's more brain dead, the characters here or the zombies, and that's a frustration with Army of the Dead. These characters make the worst decisions possible at all times, which takes you directly out of the film. At the top, the very peak of this dunce cap, sits our lead mercenary's daughter, Kate. It is amazing that Kate has made it this far in life, as not only does she constantly make the dumbest decisions possible, but she makes decisions that directly lead to the deaths of quite a few characters. There's this whole side plot of her searching for somebody, and it is the absolute worst. You will wish that she was zombie food. I stand by my opinion that Zack Snyder is just not a good writer. In terms of the personalities of the cast, I thought they were pretty enjoyable. There's a safe cracker who's kind of entertaining, but it felt like they were setting him up for some kind of, hey, he's a secret badass twist that never turned into anything. 
Tignataro was really great as an underutilized pilot, and I was impressed at how natural her scenes looked considering she was a late-stage replacement. The scenes that she was in were originally filmed with uh, Chris D'Elia, Chris Delia, Chris Delia, however you say his name, the sex offender, that guy. He was cast, and he shot all of his scenes, and then they reshot all of his scenes after the abuse allegations, and I couldn't even tell. I could not tell until uh, I read about it afterwards, so... Bravo to the special effects crew that made that happen. Batista, I think, on on the team of characters, not counting the, the stupid idiot daughter, Batista was probably the least interesting character there. He just didn't really have a chance to let his personality shine through. He looked like a sad sack the whole time. Could have used more Batista charisma. Army of the Dead is an alright time waster. It's dumb as hell and it's way too long, but there is some fun to be had. I think you cut out 30 minutes of this film and toss that Kate character straight into the recycle bin and you've got a film that's, uh, you know, it's a little bit better. I think the premise would make a great video game, so for the next Dead Rising movie, toss this thing in Vegas. You got a winner here. Plus there's a zombie tiger. A zombie tiger. That should have been used way more than it was. A zombie tiger. That's badass. Someone make a movie about zombie tigers. Write a movie about zombie tigers. Somebody other than Zack Snyder, please. It's almost time to get Chef Nick in here, but first let's hear from our sponsor this week. Sometimes dumb decisions can get you eaten by zombies. Other times they can just get your ass thrown in jail. Are you listening to this podcast from a jail cell or are you planning on being arrested soon? If so, you're going to need good legal representation and there's only one number to call and that's Saul Goodman. Saul knows you have rights because there's a whole bill of them that he read once. But don't take my word for it. Got pulled over. Cops said the truck I was in was used in a robbery. The truck was not mine. Cops said he found blow under the driver's seat. It was not mine. Cops said he found a 9mm. That was not mine. My phone call, Saul Goodman. He got me out that same day. The only thing is, the truck, it belonged to my mom's. So I'm out, but now my mother, she's in jail. Saul says he's working on it better. If you've done something stupid and you live in the Albuquerque area, call Saul Goodman today at 505-842-5662 and tell him that the Force 5 podcast sent you for a free year off of your sentence. Now, back to the show. This is the Force 5 podcast and joining me tonight from New England, we've got the culinary genius, Chef Nick Peters Bond. In addition to his years running kitchens, he's earned two black jackets on Gordon Ramsay's Hell's Kitchen. You can find him on seasons 14 and the All-Stars season 17, which you can watch right now on uh, Amazon Prime. How's it going, Chef Nick? Good. How are you? Thank you for having me. I am fantastic. Yeah, I don't know what culinary genius, but I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I'm going to tell you a quick story, and I believe you are a culinary genius because I was walking through Target not too long ago, and I saw... A, they had like these pre-bottled pineapple jalapeno margarita things. Mm -hmm. And it sounded really good. And I took it home and it was like the worst thing I've ever tasted. <laughs> and so like the first thing I did, jump online, who's got a good recipe. And one of yours popped up for our recent YouTube video that you did on your channel, uh, Commanding Your Kitchen. And yes. it was awesome. So thank oh, you for that. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Make no mistake about it. You were robbed. On the All-Star season. <laughs> you know that. I know I, that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I tried to, you know, I, especially in season 14, I was like, you know what? I, 
I did what I did and I did okay. And I, I didn't think I was going to win. I kind of, the person that won season 14 was Megan and she was just like way more mature, had more experience. And I was like, this girl's like unstoppable, but on all stars, I truly, and I typically don't say this, but I truly thought that I would be in the finale if not win. So um, yeah, that was, that was a bummer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I don't want to spend any more time talking about Hell's Kitchen. If you want to know more about Nick's Hell's Kitchen experience, he's got that YouTube channel I mentioned, Commanding Your mm -hmm. Kitchen, and there's an episode where he only answers questions about Hell's Kitchen. So go there for all that stuff. But what have you been up to since Hell's Kitchen? Oh, boy. So since Hell's, Hell's Kitchen, I got married, <laughs> and I also um, have adopted a our daughter, um, Savannah, we got her when she was six days old and we still, she's now officially adopted. So she's officially our daughter. So that was a big, big change in my life. Awesome. Um, yeah. And then my catering company, Kitchen to Isle, catering and events, um, started taking off when the all-star season was airing. Um, and that's kind of when that came to fruition. So it's, I've been busy, but it's been really good. All good stuff. And plus you get the, the YouTube channel with a Patreon as well. So you can support yes. Nick in other ways if you don't yeah, live in New England. Yeah. And I try to, you know, be interactive as much as I can on Instagram with people and who want to like see certain things on my YouTube or just talk and chat. So yeah, you can find me. It's just at Chef Nick Peters Bond on Instagram. And then like you said, Commanding Your Kitchen on YouTube. Very cool. And we're here to talk movies. So what are some of your favorite movies of all time that maybe wouldn't make our list today? So I hope you don't think my movie choices are lame. <laughs> <laughs> I would never <laughs> think anyone's choices are lame. Um, probably like my two favorite movies, which I think are around the same like time frame when they came out, is Jurassic Park. Classic. Classic. That I was I was obsessed when I was younger. Like had the toys, the merchandise, like everything. Yes. Um, and then I, which I think came out a little bit later, was um, Scream, which. We'll talk more about later. <laughs> Great but, pick. Um, yeah, that's those are like two of my favorite like all time movies. Very cool. So a yeah. uh, little bit of horror and well, Scream's obviously a horror movie, but there's mm -hmm. also lots of horror elements in Jurassic Park. Oh, totally. Like I, I remember when I was, I'm trying to think of when when it came out. I think it was in the early 90s. But um, so I was born in '88 for reference, and then I saw the second Jurassic Park, the second one in theaters, and I remember being scared shitless. And my mom was like, <laughs> "Okay, you're fine. Like, grow up." <laughs> um, so yeah, they definitely were a little bit scary. And I, it's like my jo favorite genre is like horror, but I do love like thrillers and anything that really can captivate me and like keep my attention or keep me at the edge of my seat is like what I love. We're gonna be talking some horror movies today because we're gonna go through top five horror movie deaths and this was so fun to research <laughs> just because i know you can't i was just looking like... it up and <laughs> there's a lot you know there's a lot of obviously a lot of deaths in horror movies so it's there's it's hard to choose just five but yeah and it's hard it's hard to just like come up with a list without going back through like youtube and watching those scenes to both make sure that they're worthy of being on your five list, but also to relive those memories of those people being slaughtered in very creative <laughs> ways. Sometimes I know I, I was, I was on YouTube and like, cause that was like the, some of the first things that came out when I was looking at some of my favorite movies and I was like, and some of them weren't, some of the death scenes weren't as like epic as I thought they were. So it was yeah. good that I like revisited them and I'm like, okay, it wasn't as like, I think it was more just the mo movies as a, the movie as a whole. I really enjoyed. Um, but yeah, there was definitely a lot to choose from. There's some very creative ones that um, 
popped up in all different franchises that have all crazy deaths in them. So it's a fun topic. <laughs> I actually experienced that as well, where one that I thought would definitely make my list, I went back and I watched it and it just didn't have the impact that I thought it did. And maybe it's because I saw it when I was so little. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's weird, like how you think about those things in a different way. And then you go back and revisit them. And it's like, oh, that wasn't that bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, Chef Nick, let's get to the list. You know what's going to happen? You know what's happening here right now? You know what's going to happen? Words? You just made the list. Top five horror movie deaths. I don't really have my list in any kind of order. We'll go to the year before you were born, 1987. This one's from Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors. It's 1987. Do you know where Freddy is? There's no waking up from this nightmare. Nightmare on Elm Street, Part Three: Dream Warriors. Are you a fan of the Nightmare on Elm Street series? I've seen them, and it was a long time ago. And he he scares the shit out of me. <laughs> <laughs> the premise is amazing. He's one yes. of the most iconic horror movie villains. And the thing about Freddy Krueger is that he's not just going to kill you in your dreams. He's going to kill you in very creative ways. Right, very bloody ways. <laughs> and. This death in particular is the character named Philip. So Philip is a patient at this mental hospital. Well, it's, it's like a psychiatric hospital. He's got nightmares that make him afraid to sleep. He sleepwalks as well. And he's kind of seen as the leader of this group of kids at the hospital. And they all find out that they have this common issue due to Freddy Krueger. Now, his specific death. Freddy obviously sees him in his dreams using his knife hand. He cuts Philip's tendons, both in his wrists and in his in his feet. <laughs> and then he uses those tendons to walk Philip around like a marionette doll. <laughs> Ending when he walks Philip over to a balcony and cuts the tendons, sending Philip to his death. It is like one of the Jeez. most creative, one of the most <laughs> weird and just like horrifying visuals if you can think of like your tendons being pulled from your body and then used as rubber band strings to walk you around it's just terrifying that's that's rough that's that's (laughs) rough because i hate like oh any i hate giving blood i hate i hate all that stuff which is ironic because i like horror movies but like i can't imagine that Anything with like tendons or wrists or like the back of your ankle in movies being like cut like sends chills down my spine because I know that's that's gonna be bad. (laughs) Yeah, um, solid way to start the list off. I think that's my number five. Philip's death from Nightmare on Elm Street three Dream Warriors. What do you have for your number five? So it's definitely not as gory (laughs) or elaborate, but I kind of my list kind of went with like things movies that i love but also like went through death scenes and things like that um this movie is called hush i don't know if you've seen it oh i've heard of it but i haven't seen it yet it's really good um and the main character is deaf so she can't hear the entire movie and then it goes through just kind of you know i'm not gonna give it away but anyways (laughs) there's a scene (laughs) in it where um there is a wine corkscrew that is shoved through someone's neck 
and then she proceeds to take it out and then it spurts, you know, copious amounts of blood all over her, all over her. Um, yeah, I, it, it was just something about the buildup of the scene where, you know, it's almost like a cat and mouse type vibe the entire uh, movie. So it's re really building up to something. Um, and it was just like, yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> the uh, the corkscrew, for some reason, just gives me chills as like a horror uh, stabbing weapon because of yes. the shape of it. <laughs> right. And then, you know, people dig it in even further. And it's like, ugh. something about the corkscrew just gives me the chills. Yeah, it seems way worse than a knife to me. <laughs> yeah, because there's so much more work to like get it out afterwards. <laughs> you know it's going to be messy, and it sounds like in Hush it is very messy. Yes, so I definitely recommend that to you to watch that if, you're, if you like that kind of thing. <laughs> All right, Hush. I will, uh, I'll put it on my watch list. I know of it, but uh, haven't seen it. My number four, you mentioned the, the setup, like the build-up to that event, and my number four is all about the build-ups in its kills, and it's a kill from Final Destination 5. You're not supposed to be here. You're supposed to die on that bridge. The lucky few survive the disaster. And then one by one, death comes for them all. Are you a fan of the Final Destination series at all? Yes, I used to be like I think they're they're spread out over a, a while of time. But, yeah, they are. Um, yes, I wa I've seen all of them, and they're. I always tell people that it's just a fun movie to watch. Like whether it's super scary or not, I just feel like it's like it's very entertaining. <laughs> so entertaining, and I wouldn't yeah. even consider them scary for the most part. It's right. it's more like a tension of all these dominoes are about to fall, and somebody is going to die, and you want to kind of figure out how. Mm -hmm. they're so fun and i am an unapologetic fan of these movies and number five to me is one of the best if not the best final destination movie the kill i'm talking about here comes in a scene in a gymnastics uh like gymnastics practice so if mm -hmm. you're familiar with final destination or if you're not familiar with final final destination it's all about death coming for you no matter what and there are very elaborate setups to the deaths yes <laughs> And number five is so good because it, it makes you squirm and wait for so long before finishing people off. So the character in question here, her name is Candace. She's practicing her routine with her gym squad, and she's doing a routine on a balance beam. And then a little screw from a fan up above falls off the fan and onto the balance beam. So it's sticking up, and her feet are just so close to going right on top of this like screw the entire time nothing happens with it she gets off the balance beam everything's fine and then you see a pool of water with uh with like a cord that's frayed and the water's coming towards her and now you're thinking she's gonna get electrocuted and then she walks away from the puddle and it's fine and then she gets on the uh the bars and she's doing flips on the bars and it's so suspenseful you see a, a bolt loosening on the bars but what finally happens is another gymnast gets up on the balance beam where the screw is. She hits the screw. She falls off, hits a uh, like one of those powder bowls, which a fan blows into the face of Candace, and she flips off of the uh, the the bars, crunching like a pretzel onto the ground in the most twisted, nastiest fashion that somebody could die without any so blood. Bad. 
Yeah, that that's fucked up. <laughs> I remember <laughs> watching that, and I the, when you were just describing it, I was like reliving the the scene, like like I was just watching it. That's definitely up there, I think, with that whole franchise in terms of like deaths, because like you said, it it just every second you're waiting for something to happen, a death or something to fall, or so you're always constantly like on the lookout and that scene is definitely a perfect example of that i know i agree final destination has affected me in so many ways i don't know about you but i cannot drive next to a logging truck yes i was just <laughs> gonna say that that i remember when that whole thing came out and now whenever i see that a logging truck i stay clear of it because every time i relive mm-hmm. that scene and then there was like a scene with tanning booths in one of them that like I remember <laughs> yep. back in the day that i was like oh my god i'm never going into tanning like it made me not like physically not want to do stuff so it definitely is impactful. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I've been trying... Well, I've been wanting to get LASIK surgery, but I watched that scene from number five, and I don't know if I can do it. <laughs> I know. It's, it's 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 still affecting me, I swear. I still, whenever I see a log truck, I'm like, nope, no way. <laughs> yep, it sticks with you. So this n- number four is from the movie You're Next. I just want you all to know how much it means to us that you're all here. Thanks to mom and dad. Beautiful. Just a perfect day. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank thee for thy food and help us to do our part with kind words and loving deeds. Amen. Amen. What is that? I love this movie. It's I would say it's in my top like horror movies. Um, and there is a scene where we it's maybe I'm kind of thinking back on like my movie choices. Some of these are like very much like the hero kind of like avenging people, I guess, which I, I love the theme of that in horror movies as well. And this was no exception. She hits him over the head with the blender. And then she proceeds to take the blender part that's now smashed and put it in his head and turn it on. Um, <laughs> so he gets a blender to the head, which was pretty awesome because this guy was an asshole anyway. So <laughs> Your Next is a great horror movie, by the way. If you haven't seen yes. Your Next, go watch it. It's about a home invasion. It is very satisfying when some of these people get their comeuppance. Oh, it's, it's, it's the best. It's like the best feeling when that happens. Um, and I, I almost feel like it was like flew under the radar for a little bit, but I, yeah, I, I double, I second that. It's, it's a really fun movie to watch. My number three is from a horror movie that I don't think a lot of people have seen, and it's from 2008. It's called Mirrors. Okay, you two, you need to finish your homework. You need to get ready for your bath. I'm leaving in a couple minutes. Happy, happy birthday. Thanks, Dad. Yeah. Well, here you go. That's where you've been spending most of your time. The company wants us to patrol the premises every couple of hours. The mirrors, they're so clean. The fella who was working here before you, he was completely obsessed with these mirrors. It's a really odd horror film yeah. in that the premise <laughs> is like bonkers. There's this entity that uses mirrors to communicate with the world, and it traps people in mirrors, mm-hmm. kind of. It's hard to explain. Kiefer Sutherland's in it. He's great. Amy Smart is in it. If you were... In the world of mirrors, like essentially you could be looking in the mirror and your reflection could cut their neck with a knife and then your neck would cut. Yes. <laughs> Which is... It, it's wild. Yeah, it's it's definitely a, a very interesting concept for a horror movie. 
which definitely catches up with Amy Smart's character in a bathtub. She is getting ready for a relaxing bath, looks in the mirror, sees her reflection, and then goes and sits in the tub. Unfortunately, the entity in the mirror, her reflection, Mm -hmm. takes her hands and opens her jaw to the point where it's like (laughs) ripping off. Now, Amy Smart is in the bathtub and her jaw just starts ripping downwards from her face. Blood is pouring everywhere. And like you see her jaw almost disconnected from her face and her tongue like flapping around. Yep. It is the only real thing I remember from that movie. And it's never left my brain. No. And actually, it, it had left my brain for a little while until you just <laughs> said it. And then I re- instantly remembered the scene when you started talking about it. Because oh, I'm so sorry. No, I mean, it, it, it's <laughs> that scene. It was. It's good, but it's also like traumatizing. Um, but I, I feel like the move that movie as a whole, you're, I think you're right. It was kind of a little confusing in terms of like what was reality and what wasn't, which I guess is kind of the point. But that one scene was, yeah, it's not not well. I, mean, I can't imagine ripping my own jaw off. <laughs> she has no control over it. Her hands are at her sides, and her jaw just starts ripping apart. <laughs> so yes. Oh my god, that's my number three. Amy Smart's death from Mirrors, two thousand eight. Okay, so my number three. This is I, I don't know necessarily why this is like my favorite actress, but I was and am obsessed with Sarah Michelle Gellar. So oh, okay. in my like, I watched all of Buffy. Was obsessed with that when I was younger, and then I kind of like, you know, how she was in all those like teen type movies. Like she was in Scream Two, which I love her death scene in that. But I have sarah michelle geller i know what you did last summer and this is when she is the prom queen for the last year four friends have kept a secret are you on drugs no well then what is wrong i've had a rough year but not all secrets stay buried somebody sent this to me oh my god someone knows i know what you did last summer Ooh. what they thought would be a new beginning toast is becoming a dead end. Somebody tried to kill you last night. We have to go to the police. If you wanted me dead, he could have done it. And the mistake they made. It was an accident. There was no accident. It was murder. What if he's still alive? Hey! What are you doing here? Is coming back to haunt them. Oh, my gosh. He's after me, too. I got a letter. I got run over. Helen gets her hair chopped off. It's been a long time. That, like, whole era of... Or like, you know, those few years of horror movies. I just love that whole like time frame. They're just really fun. And her death scene in particular was also one of the the build-up ones because you knew the guy with the fish hook is coming. <laughs> like he's coming for <laughs> one of them. And there's this the scene in particular, she's like in her sister's, I think her sister's like a fashion designer or something like that with a store. And she's in there and there's tons of mannequins with plastic over them. And then of course one of the mannequins is the man with the hook and you don't know which one it was and it's very suspenseful and then you know she trips and falls and it's very much like that type of like oh no she fell but like it just it the build-up was really good and he takes a couple swipes at her and misses and then she gets on this like pull levy like elevator thing and tries to go up that um and then like the final scene is when she ends up falling out the window somehow survive that and then she's like limping down this like alleyway as there's like a parade going on with fireworks and she's screaming and no one can hear her and then yeah the hook gets her but 
something is very nostalgic about that scene and I always I'll always remember that like I always I don't know maybe because I was obsessed with her too (laughs) (laughs) and you're right about that time frame in the uh the late 90s they had really fun horror movies like Urban Legend yes uh, so good all the sequels to this and Scream yes very good my number two is from 2010 it's from one of the most fun b-movie experiences that I've ever had in a theater, and that is from Piranha 3D. It's like this body's been in the water for weeks. I wanna know what the hell this thing is doing in my lake. Is that a piranha? This particular piranha vanished two million years ago. I'm thinking about closing the lake. There's us and there's 20,000 kids. You do the math. Piranha 3D (laughs) is not high art. It is just really crazy fun. There's an underground tremor, like an earth, there's an underground earthquake, and it opens up a part of the earth which releases a school of prehistoric piranhas which were living under the surface of this lake floor for hu- literally hundreds of years. Yep. <laughs> and they're obviously flesh-eating piranhas. They will devour a human being in the snap of a finger, and... They're wreaking all this chaos and stuff, but there's a fantastic scene in which these spring breakers, it's, it's spring break, so there's a big party, everybody's got their boats, and they're on Lake Victoria, and they refuse to leave the lake. Elizabeth Shue is, she's like a sheriff or a marshal or yeah, something. Yeah, she is, she is, yeah, she is. <laughs> <laughs> she's trying to get everybody out of the water, nobody's getting out of the water because it's spring break, bro, and they're all drinking and having fun. Yeah. Until the piranhas arrive, and then all hell breaks loose in this lake. People are just getting devoured left and right. Uh, Elizabeth Shue's trying to drag people out of the water, but it's like she's dragging out half bodies. It's insane. (laughs) (laughs) But the the death in particular here, there's this really selfish douchebag in the water, and he jumps into his boat. And he's like, I'm getting out of here. He turns the motor on and he just starts plowing through people. Yes. <laughs> like they're floating in the water and he's just running people over and he's just yelling, get out of the way. But they don't even have time to get out of the way. Like he's just he's like already on top of them yelling it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's just running over and there's tons of people in the water. It's spring break. At one point, his motor fails for a second and he's sitting there and he's trying to rig his motor back up. And there's a girl in the water behind the boat. And she's screaming, don't turn on the boat, don't turn on the boat. And then the camera goes underwater and you see that her hair is wrapped around the the rotor on the boat. Oh, yes. <laughs> and <laughs> you as the audience is like, don't turn on the boat. And everybody around him is trying to get onto the boat and he's pushing them off the boat, trying to start this motor. And eventually he turns the motor on. It's happened so fast, but it's never left my brain. Her skin from her head, from basically the nose up, just pulls off her head with with her <laughs> hair and scalps her entire face. It is so disturbing. It cuts away so very bad. quickly, but it's yeah, it's so <laughs> bad. It's another one of those that I has never left my brain. And when I see boats in the water, it just makes me shiver when oh. I see somebody pulling on that manual engine on the back of the boat yeah i've seen that and it, 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 you're right it does make it makes me just like cringe because 
then of course, the second I see that, I remember it. I start thinking like, oh my God, what if that happened to me? Or what if that happened to someone else? Like, I'm like, I'm panicking now. I have like anxiety about it <laughs> as if it's really going to happen. Um, exactly. Is my hair long enough that that could happen to me? Currently, no. <laughs> was, and was that Eli Roth? Is he the one that did that? Eli Roth is in the movie, but I don't... Okay. Yeah, I don't know if he's the one that... He he definitely gets it, but, but I don't yes. think he's the one in the boat. <laughs> but that's a great cast. If you haven't seen Piranha 3D, give it a chance. It's such a blast. If you can get some of your vaccinated friends over to uh, to watch that, it's a blast. Paul Shear's in it. Uh, Christopher Lloyd is in there. It's just a, so many good people. It's very entertaining. Same director as Mirrors, too. Interesting. Two very different, <laughs> very different horror takes, but... But equally as messed up. Indeed. So that's my number two, uh, Piranha 3D from 2010. What's your number two? All right. So my number two is from, I, I don't know if you've seen this movie. It's called Ghost Ship. Mr. Murphy, I'm Jack Farrington. I fly the Arctic Weather Patrol. Last month, I was out in the middle of the street when I came across this. Congratulations. You found a boat in the middle of the ocean. What do you think a ship like this could be worth? Depends on if we have the right to salvage it. I do know one thing. C gives you an opportunity, you take it. Yo, Murph, I think you should get up here. It's an ocean liner. It's the Antonio Grasa. Any sign of what might have happened? Nothing. No passengers. No crew. No captain. No mention of anything in the ship's log. What do you make of that? The ghost ship. Oh, yeah, I love Ghost Ship. I know exactly the scene you're going to say. Yes, <laughs> this is a scene. This is another movie that I, like. again, I say I love, but I'm like, it's kind of fucked up when I think about it. But <laughs> it's exactly what it sounds like, the movie. Um, and there's a scene, and I'm pretty sure it's the opening scene, where yep. um, there's like this yacht. It looks like a cruise ship kind of yacht, and these, they're having a party, and there's a singer, and there's lights that are string about, and everyone's having a fancy grand little time. And something happens with the the pulley with the lights and it ends up snapping. And then essentially a wire gets blasted across the entire deck boat where everyone's just dining and dancing. And there's a moment where it kind of like it pauses and I'm like, did that just really happen? And then all of a sudden people's bodies start to slide off from each other. Heads (laughs) are severed. And it's what's even worse is that directly after this, you know, people are getting cut in half. They're like, there's a scene of this woman who's trying to grab her lower half and push it towards, <laughs> as if that's going to save her. But, you know, it shows that people are like still half alive and it's pretty gross, but pretty awesome as well. <laughs> this is a great pick. Unfortunately for Ghost Ship, this is the best scene in the movie. 100%. And it's like, it's like right in the beginning. It's the very first scene. But gosh, what a great scene that is. All the people that are standing up dancing just get cut in half from the waist. And then anybody who's sitting down, their heads just get sliced. Mm-hmm. And then the little girl, right, was left. Or did she end up, I forget if she ended up getting killed or not. But there's a little girl on board and then that's the whole ghost thing happens. Which I feel like, like you said, it kind of goes goes awry from there. But that first scene, like, if they could keep up that, like, level of... It just was so smart the way they did it that I think that the movie could have been better, but... Yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was. It's a really fun premise, and the movie just never lives up to that first scene. But yes, wow, that's a great scene. Yeah, it's like four minutes long. It's worth it. <laughs> yeah, um, good pick. Good pick. Thanks. All right, Chef Nick, it's my grand finale here, uh, and I had to pick the one that has disturbed me the most. This is the only one 
on my list that I did not go back and rewatch because I just I, I couldn't bring myself <laughs> to do it. I couldn't bring myself to do it. It's tough, too, because this is a really, really good movie. It's from a horror western called Bone Tomahawk. There's a uh, situation. Serious. Mrs. O'Dwyer was abducted. She is my everything, and those savages have got her. God knows what they're doing to her in every second that we delay. You know who did this? I don't have a name. How many of them do you think there are? It won't matter. You have no chance against any number of them. Small. There's a small town in the West. This rancher's wife is taken by a group of primal, cannibalistic Native Americans, which the movie refers to as savages. This group of townspeople including Sheriff Hunt, played by uh, Kurt Russell, great role, and his deputy named Nick. They go on this days-long journey to the caves where these savages are to bring her back. It's a rescue mission. While they're on this rescue mission, they're ambushed by the Native Americans, and both the Sheriff Hunt and Nick, the deputy, are taken, uh, taken prisoner. And they, they have these very crude jail cells that they've built inside of their caves. And we get to see in great detail as they take Nick, they strip him down, they scalp him while he's alive. And it's, it does, it's not shy. And it shows you them scalping him with like these bone instruments, these bone tomahawks. And then they string him upside down where his legs are pulled apart. Almost like a wishbone. I remember this. I've seen this. <laughs> <sighs> yes. And then they take a bone tomahawk, sharpened, and they whack him in the taint. Yes. <laughs> until he splits in half like a wishbone, until they can tear him in two. And his guts and everything just spills out onto the ground. There's no music. I don't think there's any music. It's just the sounds of Brutal. this dude's screams until he passes out from the pain as his friends watch from the cells. Yes. It is the <laughs> most... Oh, God. Like, when you think about scenes in movies that just kind of, for lack of a better term, make your butt pucker up, this yes. is that scene. They're like, oh, God. Even now... I'm. Ugh. It's. I always classify that those types of movies as like torture movies almost because it's like watching it is like like the premise of the movie is like I love the idea and then when, now that you're talking about the scene I didn't know that's what the movie was even called until I just had to look it up and I've seen that movie before <laughs> and I remember exactly the scene you're talking about and um, yeah that stuff makes me I so I have to like try to like kind of close my eyes through some of it and like you know I'm sitting on the couch like looking through my fingers like so tense because <laughs> I'm like clenching up because I'm like oh it's brutal I know and I feel like I've seen so many movies that something like this would be fine for me but this one just got me I I remember my reaction watching it and it was just like yours I, I couldn't watch it Without having my hands over my eyes, and that rarely happens to me. Oh yes, my God. Uh, it, it was out of like, I felt bad for him. I was anticipating what was going to happen. You're like cringing, like thinking, oh God, imagine how that would feel. <laughs> and then I think another thing, honestly, I think of that movie, the no music, I think adds to the like, not medicinal, but it adds to like the rawness of the scene that yeah. like, it almost makes it worse if there's no music because you hear every breath and every grunt and every bone noise and it just, oh, it's bad. It's good, but bad. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, it's it's a really good movie. It's very well done with the like it just it's one of those movies that makes you want to take a shower afterwards, but Ugh, yeah. If, if you're looking to just get extreme with some with a kill, oh, Bone Tomahawk will hit the spot from 2015. Chef Nick, on to your grand finale. What is your number 1 on your list of best horror movie kills? So this movie, anytime that, or this scene in particular, anytime that anyone asks me, like the one memory that I have watching it that I've always, it's always stuck with me is Scream, the opening scene with Drew Barrymore. Hello. Hello. Who is this? Tell me your name, I'll tell you mine. Uh, I don't think so. What's that noise? Popcorn. You making popcorn? Well, I'm getting ready to watch a video. Really? What? Just some scary movie. You like scary movies? Uh huh. You never told me your name. Why do you want to know my name? I want to know who I'm looking at. It's not the most gory kill, but to me, it's also about the buildup and just like the cat and mouse kind of like him fucking with her, and then her mom comes home, and basically it's a whole scene where she's on the phone and the killer calls and you know, she's ha 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 giggling and he calls back. <laughs> and then I remember that where he says to her, like, I'm going to gut you like a fish or something like that. And I was like, Oh fuck. Like, like then it turns serious. Yes. And then when he's in the house and, and then when she runs in the backyard, the initial first, like when he gets her, I'm like, damn, because you know, it's Drew Barrymore. And at that point she had already been a fairly established actor because she was like a child oh yeah so i was like rooting for her to like be in the movie and this is before we knew that like in screen movies people don't last you know very long except for the main character so um which was nev campbell who is i also love um but anyways drew barrymore's scene is to me it's like iconic and it's always stayed with me because it was one of like the first like super scary movies to me that i was really scared in because while it's fun and like the dialogue and the campiness of it something about that first scene almost felt different than the other scenes like because you didn't get to that camp and fun yet because it was like oh haha you know he's calling her on the phone and then she just gets like completely gutted and i'm like okay (laughs) so it kind of set the tone for the rest of the movie but to me that's like an iconic kill in a movie i remember seeing this in theaters i was like maybe 15 when it came out and it was such an experience because like you said drew barrymore established star this is in a time before internet and like that well not before the internet but before there was like nerds online like me discussing movies <laughs> online <laughs> and you see the screen poster it's drew barrymore's face on the poster we see her in the trailer we're led to believe she's the star and yes. in the very first scene she dies and i remember turning to my friends in the theater like oh my god What is going on here? It was one of those moments like like we hadn't seen since Psycho. And then, like you said, the buildup is great. There's like popcorn that's popping on the stove. Uh, They're talking about horror movies, so it's very meta in that way. Oh, my gosh. That is a great pick for number one. And Scream is a great movie. I just rewatched it maybe a year ago, and it still holds up. Really, really good. Totally. And I will say, even even the most recent one wasn't as... I still enjoy, I've enjoyed all of the films. I didn't love the one, um, I think it was number three was kind of. Number uh, three, it was pretty bad. Yes, that was not my, I think Parker Posey is in that, if I remember correctly, which I'm, yeah, I don't, I didn't love that one, but even the, the most recent one, which wasn't that recent now, I guess, but um, that was even fun. But 
I don't know. I mean, Ian Neb Campbell too was like the lead to me. She was like perfect. And then like once Drew Barrymore died, I almost like forgot about it because I feel like Neb Campbell was so captivating in that movie and like her facial expressions and the dramatics and um, yeah. Another movie by her, which I love is The Craft. I didn't really necessarily think it was like horror, but kind of is to me. Um, yeah. I don't know if you've seen that, but I love that movie. Side note. <laughs> I, I, I have seen that one. I saw that one a long time ago, and I agree. It's a it's a good one. I'm actually yeah. surprised that Nev Campbell didn't go on to, like, bigger things after Scream. Oh, I thought she was going to be, like, the biggest star. Like, I thought she was great. <laughs> I mean, maybe looking back, I mean, I just thought it was, like, it, that's the way they what it seemed to be. Like, she was getting all these roles, and then, I don't know, it was kind of weird. Um, are you excited for the, the new Scream coming out next year? Yes. At any time, there's a... If, like, I feel like if there's original people involved then I always am more apt. Like, I'll probably watch any sequel, honestly, but, like, I know that, like, I get more excited when, you know, the people from previous movies are then in it again. Listen, when it's a yeah. complete, total sequel with no one in it, I feel like those movies never really do well and they're never really as exciting. Um, probably, that's probably a reason why the, the leads didn't come back is because the script sucked or whatever the case may be. But, <laughs> yes, I'm very excited. <laughs> I am, too. The only thing I'm not excited about is that it has the same name as the first one. I think that's really stupid. Yeah. So yeah. So it's a sequel. It's literally just called Scream. (laughs) It's a sequel, and it's got all the original people. So yeah, I'm not happy about the name, but I'm very excited for the movie. And uh, when it comes out, I'll hit you up to see what you think about it. Yes, I'm very excited about that. Great list. Thanks for coming on. Uh, What else do you have to plug? What else do you want people to know about you? Aside from your Instagram, your YouTube, anything else you wanna you want people to see, watch, do? I don't think so. I mean, I have a lot going on, but I feel like those are the, you hit, you hit it on the head. Like, those are like my main things. YouTube isn't really fun doing recipes and stuff like that because I'm doing it at, out of my house when I'm filming. And so um, it's been really fun and it's nice to like interact with people that like watch it and they message me and it's cool to like be one-on-one with people and actually have a conversation. And um, so, yeah, it's been really fun. Um, and I really enjoy doing videos and, how to's and all that kind of stuff. So I've been having fun with YouTube. I feel like I'm a little late to the game, but um, I'm enjoying it a little less. So you can check it out. It's commanding your kitchen. And um, yeah, so I do go into some health kitchen stuff on there as well. I have an, I might do another episode of more questions because I got a lot of questions about hell's kitchen. So <laughs> that seems to be what people <laughs> want to hear about still. And I'm like, if you still want to talk about it, I'll, I'll talk to you, you know, if you still want to hear about it. So that should be coming up soon. Now with streaming, it's like everybody's everybody's catching up to you at different times, you know? Yes. I, I it, So weird. Well, not weird, really cool. But um, in the Philippines, um, I was informed that they just got it to net, their Netflix or something like that. So um, I had like an, a huge influx of followers and I was like, what is going on? Like, it's just so <laughs> random. And then I was getting flooded with messages where there's every, everything was super nice and supportive and they were like, we're you know, it's, it's airing over here or we're see, just seeing it now over here on Netflix or something. And because of COVID, I feel like a lot of that type of media is being consumed. And that's why everything's like, you know, streaming and right at your fingertips nowadays. So it's been really cool. It's still it's like, awesome. you know, yeah, people are still finding out about it. And I just assume that people forgot about it, but <laughs> it's still cool when people message me. So go follow Chef Nick on social media go check out the youtube channel commanding your kitchen look you gotta eat so go make an awesome recipe this is a man who was on hell's kitchen and killed us both times (laughs) thank you (laughs) so go check out his recipes go check out the old episodes um you'll find something good there chef nick thank you so much for coming on the show thank you for having me this was fun
it's nice to talk about stuff other than cooking sometimes. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of Force 5. If you have a list topic you've been dying to hear come up on the show, let's do it. Head to force5podcast.com for the show request form. Take a minute, rate and review the show on your favorite podcast platform, and follow the Force 5 Podcast on Instagram and Twitter so you can tell me which horror movie deaths got you uh, got you riled up. Intro and outro bumpers today come courtesy of Nate Spears. The top five list bumper was produced by me with music from Audio Binger. Until next time, stay safe, stay sane, and go watch Chef Nick's YouTube channel. Force five. I have one question before we go, because and yes. I asked my wife as I was I have my little studio thing in the backyard, and she's like, I have one question for him. She wants to know. What happens with all the food that Gordon Ramsay deemed like not good enough? Is that really just thrown away or do they do anything with it? I think that so I, Chef Christina, who is the sous, the sous chef on the red team, said that they do donate um, a lot of it. It was like local food banks. Um, Got it. But she also said a lot of it is just consumed by the cast, like the crew and stuff, because we also have like a whole dishwashing team of like people they actually hired um, sure. from the city that we filmed in and then they all eat they all eat and so i don't think he gets wasted but we actually i don't have the official answer <laughs> i haven't physically seen because we're basically told to leave the kitchen and then we don't go back and then we come back and everything's magically gone and set up again so i really don't know but they've said that people eat it and then you know it's i i'd like to think it was donated and, and people got to eat it at least you know that's definitely my hope I definitely yes, hope that. because it's a lot of food. <laughs> yeah, like the ones he yeah, throws across the room, I think, are just wasted. But <laughs> I figure, yeah, the ones he smashes and just goes everywhere. Well, and sometimes some of the cats, we would try to, like, put it stuff in our aprons or, like, jackets because we didn't want to cook that night because we, we were supplied with food, but we had to cook our own meals, obviously. Sure. And, um, yeah, we would be like, this is perfectly good food. Like, there was nothing wrong with it. <laughs> I would have done the same thing. You know, beef wellington and like racks of lamb like oh it was a hair over medium rare and so it was like punched into oblivion and i was like oh whatever i'll still eat it <laughs> yeah <laughs> nice are tough. <laughs> <laughs>